morning. So this morning, we have a special student that I want to call up on stage. Ethan, come on up. Yeah. So Ethan is a junior at Southeast High School, and he has been working hard. We want to thank Ethan. We're honoring Ethan this morning for his hard work and dedication in bringing our old youth room, formerly known as the Green Room, and who knows what it was called before that. Going forward, we're going to start calling it the Cafe. You will see, if you walk in there after church, you'll see beautiful new floors. You'll see new ceiling tiles, right? New LED lights, fresh paint, a beautiful accent wall, all new trim, and it's going to be an amazing multi-purpose room for years to come. So we want to thank Ethan. We want to thank the other scouts and some of his scout leaders. Together, uh, from Troop 191, they put in over 242 hours combined of labor. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> if you can read lips, he said that was a lot of work. $3,078 in donated materials. That didn't come from your pocket. Yep. Ethan is well on his way to earning the distinction of Eagle Scout. Thank you again for your dedication. We're so proud of you. We're so thankful. We wanted to give you something from Crosspoint. With special thanks to Ethan Camp, Eagle Scout Project, Troop 191, Crosspoint Church. It's heavy. <laughs> and on the back, couldn't think of a better verse than Isaiah 40. So thank you, Ethan. We're very proud of you, and we're so thankful for your hard work. Thank you. Do you want to say anything? He said, can I go now? <laughs> yes, you may. Ethan loves to be in the front, in front of everybody, as you can tell. So, he, hey, some people, some people serve in the back, right? Right? So, wow. There's one bad thing about having bad worship. I mean, good worship. Bad thing about having good worship is by the time you get up here to speak, you're losing your voice because you've just been like screaming, like singing so loud. So if we could not have such good worship, maybe that would help the pastors. Um, no, but really, and I just want to tell one more semi-funny thing. Ethan, I was going to tell while you're up here and I forgot. I used to camp at uh, Camp Flying Eagle on Upper Manatee River Road over there, Rye Road, Upper Manatee River, right? Anyways, wherever that Camp Flying Eagle is. When I was a kid, in one of my most tra traumatic, I had a good life. I had a good childhood. So when I say the most traumatic experiences, it's not that bad. But it was in my personal life, one of the most traumatic things that ever happened to me as an elementary school student happened at Camp Flying Eagle. I'll use it in a sermon some other time. Um, maybe I'll tell you guys at, in, at youth group tonight if you come. So um, it had to do with a toilet, underwear, swimming pool. It was bad. It was embarrassing. I, was, I, I don't know if I've ever been back. I've driven past it and cried a couple times. So Camp Flying Eagle. <laughs> Okay, just kidding. It was a good place. We carved things and shot bows and arrows and to toilets and underwear. And... Okay, so anyways, um, <laughs> our pastor just, <laughs> wow. Hey, you asked me to do this. <laughs> so you've probably heard this story about Muhammad Ali. Back in the day when he was boxing, he was flying on an airplane and he, wouldn't put, he refused to put his seatbelt on. So the, the uh, airline attendant came over and the flight attendant said, sir, you're going to need to put on your seatbelt. And I don't know if this is true. I wasn't there, but I can imagine him saying this. He says, Superman don't need no seatbelt. 
And the flight attendant says, Superman didn't need no plane either. Put your seatbelt on. <laughs> Many of us, we are like that, aren't we? We think we can do everything on our own. We think we can do this life on our own. And there are many things we should do on our own, right? I mean, there's a lot of things we should do on our own. As a parent, I wish there was, there's a lot of things I wish my kids would do on their own. Like, you don't want to wish away their childhood, but you're like, come on, can you, can you help us out a little bit here, right? But church in the Christian life was not designed to be alone. It was designed to be done in community, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We are not Superman. We do need each other. We can't do this on our own. And one of the hardest things about living in community is working with different personalities, different opinions, and different ideas. If you've been around the church for any length of time, you should have said amen just then. Differences in leadership styles, right? Differences in vision have pulled many Christian communities apart. Through the years, the local church has been a source of great joy for many of us, I'm sure. But it's also been, unfortunately, the source of deep pain and some deep hurts. There's many people who are still hurt so deeply that they've never set foot, stepped foot in a church after certain incidents and things that have happened. Paul reminds Christians in Ephesians 4, however, that one of the main callings of our church, of the church, Christ's church, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, is to have unity. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Wow. We have been called. We've all, all of you, everyone here has a calling on their life. We haven't all been called to the same thing. We haven't all been called in the same way, but God has a unique calling on your life. And when I think of the church coming together, when I think of unity and community, the topic that we were given to, to speak about for this sermon series, come together. I have visions of a church that the world wouldn't even recognize. I have a vision of a heavenly force that's so powerful that the devil himself would be shaking in his boots because when we work together, there's not anything that could stop us. We have, a pow- we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us, and when we work together, we cannot be divided. But too often the world sees a church of divided Christians. We claim to agree on spiritual matters, but we're not unified. We fight, we quarrel, we bicker and complain. And it's sometimes no wonder why the world wants really nothing to do with our faith. The drift-in bar on Cortez, I drive by it at least five, five days a week. It claims on their sign to be the friendliest place in town. That's what it says on their sign, drift-in bar or drift in, the friendliest place in time. Can, I can't, can anybody verify that? I'm just kidding. But um, I don't know for, from personal experience, um, but it makes me wonder every time I drive by, I wonder if that's true. Are they the friendliest place in town? It reminds me of a TV show. This TV show predates me a little bit. You probably know where I'm going with this. Um, I need a volunteer to come sing the theme song. <laughs> Was that your hand? You're itching your head. It's like an auction. Sold. <laughs> This show was about a bar, and it became a little club, and it it became a hangout place, and then they became like a family, and they didn't really go because of the food or the drinks that they were drinking, the food they were eating. They went because of the people that were there. The theme song to Cheers was, and I think we have the lyrics for the screen, making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. 
Taking a break from all of your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? (laughs) How many of us would like to get away right now? It continues. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name, and they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name, right? (laughs) I wasn't going to do that. It's just unfortunate, though, that this song was about a bar. Like, that should, be our, that should be our anthem. That should be where we all have pain. We all experience pain. We all experience troubles. But we don't, and we don't come for a spectacular message. If you did today, I'm so sorry. But we come because of the people. We come because it's family. We come so we can build each other up, so we can edify each other, and we can do life together where we can encourage each other. I hope our church could put the same thing on our sign. I know we're talking about getting a new sign. I don't know if we want to use this or not, but the friendliest place in town. I hope we could put that on our sign, not that we will, but if we did, I hope it would be true. I hope when people walk through the door that they truly feel a sense of community, a place where they can belong, a place where we can grow together, love together, hurt together. And I hope that with confidence, we could put that on our sign and we wouldn't have to wonder if it was true. We would know Our neighbors could drive by, and instead of being skeptical, they will have experience because they live so close to this place that's exuding in love that they will know the love and kindness from this place. They will know that love and kindness from the people that frequent this place. There's a book called Reverse Thunder that Eugene Peterson wrote, and in it he quotes, this is a quote from that book, the gospel is never for individuals, but always for a people. Sin fragments us separates us, and sentences us to solitary confinement. But the gospel restores us, unites us, and sets us in community. The life of faith revealed and nurtured in the biblical narratives is highly personal, but never merely individual. There's a difference, right? It's personal, but it's not individual. Always in the Bible, there is a family, a tribe, a nation, the church. God's love and salvation are revealed and experienced in the congregation of the people. So how does this happen? Is this too good to be true? A a church I was out previously, I was an elder. And um, after being on the elder board for a couple of years, like you just see too much. You're just like, ah, like nothing morally wrong, just like all the differences in opinion. And it can be hard. Like, you know, the more you get to know somebody, you start noticing things. I don't know if you've lived in your house for a few years. Like, there's places where the drywall's been patched, and you didn't even see that. And, like, three years later, you're like, huh, never noticed that before, right? Same thing in the church. The more you get involved, it starts to get a little scary because you get to know people, and you realize they're just as imperfect as you, and you thought they, you thought they had it all together. And it can be disappointing sometimes. But can this actually happen? Can we live together in community? Can we rise above? I think for it to happen... We must get rid of our individualistic mentality. We've all been gifted very differently, and for that I'm thankful. I love the diversity of gifts. I love the diversity of talents and all the different personalities represented here in this body. It would be pretty boring if we were all like me or all like you. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts when it comes to our church community. Living in unity as a church is important to advance the gospel. It's not just so we can be happy when we're together so we don't hurt each other's feelings. It's essential to advance the gospel because without it, we're not representing Christ. 
In Genesis 2.18, God saw that it was not good for Adam to be alone. And in the same way, under the new covenant, God says people are not meant to be alone. We were created for fellowship. We were created to be together, to come together. In the Western world, sometimes individualism is celebrated. Um, we have uh, a lot of pressure to, like, be the person, to be the individual. We hear, we hear things like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, right? We hear things like, um, if you want something done right, what do you do? You do it yourself, right? Because we can't possibly let someone else mess it up, right? We celebrate the self-made man or woman. They're sayings like, I'm working on myself, by myself, for myself. In other words, I don't need anybody else. I need to focus on myself. And in many contexts, that mentality is okay. You do need to be a better person. You need to strive to be the best person you can be. So there's nothing wrong with that. But in the context of the church that Christ came to establish, individualism is not biblical. We are made for each other. We have to face ourselves exactly as we are and accept our own limitations, and we have to accept others as they are despite their limitations. I truly believe we are better together. So real quick, just turn to the person next to you and say, you need me. You can yell it at them. If you want to point, you can point at them. You need me. Louder. You need me. You need me. Okay. Now to the person you didn't feel like turning to the first time because they were your second choice. Now turn to them and say, you need me. You need me, right? It's easy to turn to your spouse and say, you need me or something. But we are the body. Look around you. We are the body. We're the body of Christ. We are a force that can't be reckoned with. Romans 12, 4 and 5 lays out for us many members, different functions, all very important, but one body in Christ. A quote from Pastor David Gusick, a worthy walk before God will be marked by lowliness and gentleness, not a pushy desire to defend our own rights and advance our own agenda. That should be read before every elder or deacon meeting and staff meeting. Not a pushy desire to defend our own rights and advance our own agenda. How many of us are guilty of advancing our own selfish agenda in the church while disregarding personal needs of others? I could raise my hand. I've, I'm not all the time, thank God. But there are times where whatever I wanted, whatever I thought was best, is what needed to happen regardless of what was going on around me because I felt like that's what needed to happen. But if, what if it's not all about you? What if it's not all about me? There's some of us that don't even, we, we genuinely don't even realize that we need community as bad as we do. Hopefully we can clear some of that up today. Some of us actually think we can handle this life on our own, right? We don't need no seatbelt. We can do this on our own. We do need each other. With seven and a half billion people on this planet, it doesn't seem possible that we could be lonely or feel alone. There's people all around us all the time. But I can tell you this, even before quarantine, we live in one of the loneliest nations on earth. More than three out of five Americans are lonely, have claimed to be lonely. We have a loneliness crisis, and it's been exasperated by quarantine. Only 53%, this is pre-quarantine numbers, only 53% of Americans have meaningful in-person interactions on a daily basis. That's about half. I would, I would guess that that number has swung way over half if we 
or less than half have meaningful in-person interactions on a daily basis since quarantine. Growing distant, I understand how it can be tempting because going somewhere takes time and energy, especially if you have little kids or maybe if you're elderly and it takes you a long time to put on your shoes. I, I get that. It's hard. It's tempting just to stay home. I don't know why that was funny. It wasn't supposed to be funny. Uh, Steve, do you use one of those things for your socks? Like the, the metal things? So there's nothing wrong with that, Steve. All right. Wow. Am I calling you old? Growing distant can be easy. Every time I think it's my last time, and then he asked me to do it again. <laughs> Growing distant can be easy because people are messy, and everyone wants less mess, right? We all want less mess. The less mess, the better. But you have to know the more you get to know this community, if we're being honest, the more you're going to see our bumps and our bruises, our warts and imperfections, you're going to see the mess. We are most certainly not a perfect group of people. If, you've, if you're visiting us today or you've only been around a couple of times, we can just go ahead and get that off the table. We're, we're not a group of perfect people. But we are people who were designed for each other and designed for meaningful community. And the church should be pioneering these efforts of living in community, not the local bar or club. The church should be the one leading the way and blazing the trail of living in community. We should be the ones that they talk about when they talk about living together and unity and being together. I know it's hard for some of us to commit to community, especially certain, uh, certain personalities. If you're super guarded, maybe you prefer solitude. I know that it's easy to get in a rut. It's easy to sleep in. Maybe you have so many things that you got, got behind during the week and you got to catch up in Sunday mornings, just your time to do that. I understand that. I, I understand that temptation. We've probably all gone through certain phases in our lives where we've neglected meeting together regularly. But, but community is God's desire for us, and it's a sign of mature faith. When we grow in our relationships with others, we're actually growing in our relationship with him. There's a lot of animals that live in groups, besides humans. They have all different roles in these groups, and, but their ultimate goal is survival, right? They stay together because they're stronger together. So here's just a quick, um, if you're ever on Jeopardy or any other kind of game show, a group of elephants is a, a herd. That was easy. No, it's not a trick question. All right. Wolves live in packs, right? A group of killer whales is called a pod. A group of crosspoint members is a, a pod, right? A sea pod, right? That's where some of the idea came from. We're starting sea pods soon. That's our shameless plug. We're going to have pods of people that are better together. Lions live in a pride. Oh, man. I wish I had candy to give out for the right answers. A group of monkeys. Scouts should know this. Troop. Yes. A bunch of bees live in a hive. A nest of ants. A group of hyenas. Anybody? A cackle. And some of these did make me laugh. They're a group of penguin, penguins. Pinions? Minions? A group of penguins is a... Double points for this one. A raft. Sea otters make up a romp. A group of giraffes is a, a tower. And probably my favorite, a group of parrots is called a pandemonium. <laughs> the church can't afford to be like a group of parrots. Pandemonium means wild and noisy, disorder or confusion or uproar. 
In fact, this isn't in my notes, but maybe we should be like a group of parrots. Maybe we should be wild and noisy. Maybe not the confusion part. While the world, and especially our country, may be in a pandemic, and facing, we're facing all these social injustices and things that we're, we're going through, and pandemonium seems prevalent everywhere you look, God's church has to rise in unity. We cannot be divided. We have to be the city on a hill. We have to. We don't have a choice. If we want the Christian church to continue and we want the Christian church to grow, which most of us in here would say we want it to grow, we have to be unified when the rest of the world is divided. We can be that change. We have to lead the way and set the standard. We need to lock arms and defend our fellow humans. It starts in this building with us. If we can't love each other and agree on things within these four walls, how can we do it out there? In the mid-2000s, a lot of churches started streaming their services online just to kind of keep up with the times, but not in 2020. In 2020, everybody started streaming their services, right? With the advent of social distancing and the safety standards, desire to keep COVID-19 from spreading. How many of you guys remember 2020? I remember it was like it was yesterday. (laughs) Churches moved online out of necessity, but this move abruptly reminded us that we need the need we have to meet in person. Did it not? right? We need our church community. We need Steve's hugs. We need the handshakes and the fist bumps and the whatever else, elbow clicks, I don't know. Students, I remember that this is true. They'll refute it right now, but students were so excited to get back to school. They were. They were so excited. Like 10 out of 10 students I asked were excited to get back to school. That was a long time ago. Since then, For the record, most of those same students would, it's the end of the first quarter with all the tests and studying, they have changed their minds about that. But at the time, at that time, they were so anxious because even students have an innate desire to be together in community. I even think there was a few teachers that were ready to see their students. Can't verify that, but I think so. And none of this is to bash watching church online. Crosspoint will continue to provide an online experience with excellence And I think we should take a minute just to thank our AVL people. These are the guys and ladies. Yeah. They have put together a high-quality product that can be seen all around the globe um, and where people can watch in our services. They can worship with us. They can hear the message, the word of God with us. Um, We have Andy, Bobby, Cecil, Pastor Nate, Riley, Ethan, CJ. They have put in so many hours to make our live stream a success, and for that, we're so thankful. The possibilities online are endless and far-reaching. They can be seen, as we just said, anywhere in the world. People can watch this service online. I'm so thankful today, even, for everybody that's watching online, and for those waiting to come back for their own health reasons. Hang in there. We can't wait to see you again. Thank you for not letting this stop you from drawing near. There are those who watch online that we may never meet this side of heaven, that never stepped foot in this physical church. And that's okay too. While you can attend church online, and again, we encourage you to do so as long as it's necessary, it is a disembodied experience. It's just you and the screen. There's no physical interaction. Uh, It's very limited interaction. Christ was embodied in human flesh, and our community meeting together physically is the embodiment proof of Christ incarnate. Personally, I listen to a bunch of podcasts throughout the week. I listen to pastors uh, from all over the world, Louis Giglio, Craig Rochelle, Judah Smith, among others. 
And I can be fed by those pastors. There's nothing wrong with that. I use that to supplement, to learn, to grow in my personal walk. But that experience is still missing something vital. There's a connection to a community that is lacking. I could be sharpening my iron, and I do when I'm listening to that, but it's an unhealthy, non-biblical, one-way street if that's my sole source of spiritual food and my sole source of community. We have a mandate to be part of a body. You don't go to the gas station and gas up your vehicle just so you can go home and park it in the garage. We have a mandate to meet in community. Besides, I was thinking about that, if I died, when I die, not if, is Francis Chan going to travel down here and uh, do my funeral? Probably not. That'd be a tough one. And who starts the meal train? Like, you know, if I'm online for my family to feed them after I go. There's warranted value in being connected to a local body of believers. I've been fed virtually. I've been fed in person. But I need my brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage me, to hold me up when I can't hold up myself. Paul starts his second letter to Timothy with a greeting of encouragement, and he writes phrases such as this, I long to see you that I might be filled with joy. And through the laying on of my hands, those things are hard. It's, that's hard to do virtually. There is something about being together in person, meeting with community. We, if we're intentional about our gatherings, Jesus promises us he will step in the middle of those gatherings and do something powerful. Matthew 18 Verses 19 and 20. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. God's system for you being your best is living in community, connecting with other members of the body of Christ. It's not just a, a, we're not just a bunch of random body parts. Each part does its job and we grow stronger. The church is a place of rest for the weary, healing for the broken, and the perfect place for imperfect people becoming who they were always meant to be in Jesus. This church and the Christian church in general, we are helpful, sometimes we're hurtful, but ultimately we're hopeful. So despite your past experiences, don't give up. Show up, encourage, and be encouraged. When you feel lonely, let this church hold you and comfort you. When you're filled to overflowing, serve at this church. When you need healing, let us lay hands on you and believe, in, believe for you in restoration and healing. Use your passion, your time, your talents right here in this place for the glory of God. Together, we can storm the gates of hell. The world will take notice and we will be a better place because of it and we will have a bigger love for each other because of it. So as we, as we close this morning, I just wanna encourage you, come together. Don't give up meeting together. Don't stay home on Sunday mornings. Don't stay home on Wednesday nights or whenever your group meets. Be there. Be present. Be active. Grow together. Encourage each other. Edify one another. Because we are a force that cannot be, reckoned, that cannot be taken down when we're together. God, I pray this morning that as we meet together, God, I pray that you would show up. God, we are not enough unless you come. If you're not here, God, we're just some silly pep rally. So God, we pray for your presence, God. We trust that when we meet together that you are here with us. When we meet together, God, that we can encourage and edify the body. When we meet together, we can fill up so that we can go out and reach a world that is hurting and lost, God. I pray that we would be 
people that would see past our messes, that we would love unconditionally as you've loved us so that we can share that love with the world. God, it's a beautiful thing when your children come together. It's a beautiful thing when we sing to you, God, and we sing in harmony and unity, God. It's hard when we fight, but God, through all of it, we are better together. And God, I thank you for your presence. God, I thank you for your your faithfulness to us, even when we were less than faithful to you. Thank you for this community of believers. God, I pray big things. God, I pray for a boldness that we haven't seen before. God, I pray that we would be empowered to move and to do something and to be active in our communities, in our workplaces, our neighborhoods, with our friends. God, I pray that this would be a place that accepts people for who they are, wherever they are. God, that they could come here and be loved and we could point them to the cross so that their lives could be changed and we could spend eternity by their side with you, God. Give us a boldness. God, I pray these things in Jesus' name.